wrapped up tonight. If you watched the January 6th committee hearings in prime time last night, looking at the attack on the U.S. Capitol in January 6th, 2021, or followed any of the coverage, you'll know a group called the Proud Boys figured very prominently. Several, several Proud Boys have been charged with, with seditious conspiracy. Uh, which is quite the charge, including its leader. They have pleaded not guilty, of course, but Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney said intelligence had identified plans to, quote, invade and occupy the Capitol, and she singled out the group's role in those plans. Now, the committee showed a video last night of previously unseen images showing that day back in 2021 in chronological order, starting in the morning before the Capitol was breached. And the Proud Boys are on center stage. Here is what they sound like. Just some of the sounds from that video last night featuring again off the beginning, the Proud Boys. So how did a group founded as sort of a drinking club in New York City by a Canadian, no less, Gavin McInnes in 2016, who has since stepped back from the organization, uh, how are they now charged with trying to overthrow the U.S. government? The group officially disbanded here in Canada in February 2021 after it was declared a terrorist entity. But it does highlight the ongoing threat of extreme right-wing violence in the U.S. and here at home. Joining me with more on that is Stephanie Carvin, a national security expert and professor at Carleton University's Norman Patterson School of International Affairs. Stephanie, always great to have you on. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me on. And, and just before we get to the uh, super depressing stuff, my, my I, I had a shoe repair story, too. I like There is a Capital City Shoe Clinic here in Ottawa, and apparently I right. was a convoy it, chose to shoot i did chose to shut down and it's so sad it was a lovely little korean man who who ran it and he just was the most charming lovely human on the planet but i think he probably deserves to retire but i will miss him terribly and yeah, uh, yeah. i used to go there so, too i used to go there too oh, way back right. when yeah yeah you know, no, what, no, you know it, what i'm it, talking about great place. i do yeah it was a great place it's always sad to lose those businesses they really leave a big gap when they go i find yeah, and like I now I have to find somewhere else to get my shoes fixed. Um, well, but that. you know, I just I just hope he's he's happy and enjoying his retirement, right? Like you hope that's yes. the reason that 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 they've moved on. But uh, yeah, um, we need more shoe re- repair. That's that's yes. you know we, we may have a shoe repair gap. We might. I'm going to have to go in and find out why exactly this place is closing. Um, I, I guess did you watch any of this this last night? Did you watch the video? Yeah, I saw the video. It, it's really, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it it's worth watching. It's, it's 10 minutes long. And apparently, um, you know, I, I, my understanding is they actually brought in um, true crime producers, right? Like people who specialize in, in doing true crime documentaries uh, to help make this video to show exactly and to present a coherent timeline. Uh, if you think back, like way back in, in, oh gosh, I can't even think of the Dino, was it 2018, 2019, when the Mueller report came out? I mean, it was this 700 page book I saw, I have on my desk. And, um, you know, I, I, I read, you know, I read chunks of it. I don't even think I read the whole thing. And it didn't really convey the same message. But this video shows, you know, it really shows just how violent this, this incident was. And, the leadership of the Proud Boys in instigating the violence. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a group you paid attention to. I mean, there was a Canadian branch at one point, clearly Gavin McInnes, who's, as I said earlier, sort of stepped away officially from from any membership in the group, but he created it. It was his group to begin with. So there's a Canadian connection here. Um, and we we declared them a terrorist entity in 2021. I mean, that was pretty controversial at the time. Do you think that was still, I mean, in, in hindsight, it looks like, uh, you know, it was the right move. Yeah, we don't know exactly what intelligence the government had at the time when it came to the Proud Boys. We do know that the government in recent years has come under pressure to look more at uh, what we call ideologically motivated violent extremist groups. So basically, um, you know, far right groups, fascist groups, things like this. And, and that's what the Proud Boys are. They're, they're you know, if, if you look, you can actually go on, on the website, look, you can Google terrorism listings Canada and it'll come up and you can read the, the justification for, for putting them on there. And, and they describe it as a fascist organization that has, you know, um, Islamophobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, uh, anti-LGBTQ2 uh, views, and uh, specifically, you know, it's not enough just to hold nasty views. You have to actually do something. And the something they point to is the January 6th riots, right? So some people said, well, you know, is it, you know, they, they, it wasn't clear maybe that, you know, they, they were, you know, it was clear that the Proud Boys were there, but it, their actual role, I think, wasn't as well known, at least publicly, when that listing was made. And so I think in retrospect, you know, we can actually see in this video the fact that the Proud Boys weren't just there, that they had actually pre-planned this violence, right? That they were basically ever since the election results became known and increasingly became organized as it got closer to January 6th, uh, which, of course, was the day that the, the basically the, it was confirmed, the, the election results. And then um, the, the Proud Boys actually marched up to the uh, Capitol building and were the first to actually break the window to start letting people in. So these guys were pretty much the vanguard of what happened on that day. Does it highlight, I mean, this is a, a subject you've been looking at a lot, I know, but does it highlight the risks that, I mean, it was brought up yesterday at the beginning of this hearing. Uh, they, they mentioned the War of 1812 as an enemy from without, and certainly this time they talked about this enemy from within, this threat of extremism from within the country. Uh, it's, it's something you've looked at. It's clearly in Canada, it remains a threat as well, even if uh, groups like the Proud Boys have disbanded officially, at least. Yeah, and that's an important thing. I mean, like, you can list all the groups you want. I mean, it doesn't mean that the people involved in the groups have gone anywhere, right? It may just make it harder for them to have a bank account, right? Because if, you, if, if you're subject to a terrorism listing, it means that you can't get, uh, like, bank services usually, right? And it, Because uh, the banks don't want any part of, of facilitating your activities, even if it's just going to a grocery store. So, um, so there's that angle there. But, I mean, these guys continue on. And, like, so there's, uh, another, uh, there's another kind of um, – some of them have splintered off into other groups that, that we've seen. Um, one of them is, I think they, they, you know, there are still, like, you know, they said, okay, we've disbanded, we don't exist, but there are some cells that have, that have come back up and said, no, 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 we're still here. Um, there's another group that calls itself Canada First. There's, there's two competing Canada First organizations, believe it or not. There's uh, one led by a, a person named uh, Tyler Russell, who is perhaps the most famous for walking around with the Canada First flag and a hockey stick and was seen very much uh, during the convoy here in Ottawa. But there's also the Canada First, which is kind of the evolution of the Proud Boys, and and they're pretty violent. Um, they're they're people who have definitely expressed um, their intentions to engage in, in political violence, and um, you know still carry a lot of the beliefs 
of of the the original Proud Boys. So yeah, no, these guys haven't really gone anywhere. It's just you know, in in name, the organization um, really uh, is a little bit more defunct. Is is this a threat that, that the Canadian government or security officials at least are are awake to now? One gets the sense that everyone is quite awake to this, uh, quite alert to this threat now. Yeah, I mean, really, ever since you know the Quebec mosque shooting in in twenty seventeen, I think we've seen an increasing awareness that there is a, a growing threat from the far right, at least politically. Even if our institutions have been a bit slow to to recognize this threat right so um yeah i mean but really i think what what sealed it was the convoy i mean um the the fact that uh we now have to you know um the police services here in ottawa for example are very much concerned about canada they're always worried about canada today um for yes. a long time they were worried about threats from you know either al-qaeda or uh, some state inspired groups but now they're really worried that you know what's going to happen with canada is there going to be another attempt uh, to to try and disrupt Ottawa um, on a very symbolic occasion. So I mean, um, yeah, I know for a fact that they're 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 worried. But you know, I mean, on, on some level, it's, it's a bit frustrating too because these groups, you know, like the uh, Proud Boys have been around since 2016, right? I mean, this is not this is not a new thing. It's just that we're paying attention to it now, and we probably should have been paying attention to it uh, a lot earlier. I'm speaking with Stephanie Carvin, a national security expert, professor at Carleton University's Norman Patterson School of International Affairs. We're talking about the Proud Boys. Uh, You did uh, create the perfect segue because coming back, we'll talk a bit more about uh, the Emergencies Act because Marco Mendocino, the public safety minister, has been under a lot of fire this week about what was or wasn't said by police to the government about enacting, uh, invoking the Emergencies Act. And uh, we'll get to that after this. We were um, continuing to monitor the situation very much in real time, looking at the totality of the situation, which in our judgment, combined with the advice that we got from law enforcement, that existing authorities on the books were not effective. And that is the operative word at restoring public safety, which is why we ultimately invoked the Emergencies Act when we did. We did it with a limiting principle in mind. And as soon as we could uh, revoke, we, we, we did. That is Marco Mendicino, the public safety minister, speaking to David Aiken last month on the West Block. Uh, he's been in a bit of trouble this week just over what exactly police said and didn't say or what advice they were giving the government. Did they, in fact, request uh, the Emergencies Act be invoked or did they not? Uh, Stephanie, this has been an inter- interesting one. I don't know how closely you're watching it, uh, but I guess there's an importance here because it's, it was such a an unprecedented move by the government to do this that if they they really need to get their story straight on this one. Yeah, I mean, I keep calling this, like, you know, the Emergencies Act was the National Security Super Bowl, right? Like, it doesn't really get any bigger if you you kind of follow national security stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you you can't suddenly turn around and say, well, we only did it because the police told us to. Because that would be really inappropriate for the police to say, give us the Emergency Act powers, or we can't do our jobs without the Emergency Act powers. That would be, I think, an inappropriate thing for law enforcement to say. I think it really does come down to the judgment of cabinet, right? Like cabinet has to sit there and say, okay, the Emergency Act has a very specific criteria. Um, basically, the, the criteria for invoking it is, is really just simply two things. Firstly, there, there, there can't be any, like, like, if there's a law which would solve the problems, you have to use that law, right? So, so it has to be a situation where there's no law, 
that that can be used to solve the problem. And secondly, the threat that's out there has to meet the threshold of the threats outlined in the CSIS Act. So that gives us espionage, foreign interference, uh, violent extremism or terrorism, and finally subversion. So I think that's why, you know, so, so it, and, but the thing is, it can't be the police that make that call. It has to be the minister. It has to be the, the cabinet has to sit down and say, yes, we think we have this and, and go forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm willing to suspend belief. I'm seeing a lot of people say this wasn't necessary. We don't know, you know, like, the, you know, this is completely, it was nonsensical that the police could have done their job. Uh, we've been learning a lot about January 6th, just even from yesterday, that we didn't already know. So I'm willing to, you know, give the government some credit and say, okay, there may be things that they knew that we don't know yet, right? There may be some intelligence that they were aware of that we weren't aware of that through the various inquiries is going to come to light. So I'm not prepared to say it wasn't necessary. I, what, but what I am um, you know, but but at the same time, there there has to be a level of transparency and accountability here. And what I think is disturbing about what you know Minister Mendocino has been doing is kind of suggesting that he only did it because the police said that this is something that that needed to be done, which isn't the way this works. And and, and something that the police so far at least have said isn't true, which 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 creates. I'm just what what's curious for me about this is um, why create the confusion if if you could avoid it. I mean, clearly this, as you mentioned, this was a, a big deal, the Super Bowl of, of national security. Uh, you'd think you'd want to be as as sort of concise and transparent as possible when explaining what exactly led to the decision. Yeah, I don't think concise and transparent is really like a great skill of this government to be honest with you they they tend not to be able to explain things i mean this goes back to like jody wilson raybold or like various spending ideas or their climate plan or like, there's so many things where they just don't seem to be able to have a coherent message and it's it's just bizarre so i see this as just like the latest thing where they just kind of stumbling over their own words and and some people they say you know there's something um, malicious here but you know we were just talking about the far right and the convoy and things like this. And part of the reason those movements exist is because people don't trust the government, right? They don't trust what they're hearing. And so if the government can't put an articulate story about why this was necessary forward, if it can't justify its actions um, or, or if it's not seen as being transparent, I think it feeds into that environment of mistrust. And that's a really, really bad thing to happen, right? Um, we want, you know, the government... I mean, I think a lot of Canadians were just happy that the thing was over with, to be dead honest with you. But I think at the same time, you know, we don't want the Emergencies Act just trotted out whenever it's convenient for government. Um, and so this is why we really do need the minister to to be very clear with what he's saying. And so far, that hasn't happened. Um, I can honestly believe that the police were telling him and the rest of government that they felt they didn't have the right, you know, that, that maybe they felt they were lacking resources or they were nervous about certain police powers or that maybe, again, there may be intelligence that was there that suggested that the threat was actually pretty high. So it, we, we don't have the full picture there yet. But that's not what the minister is saying. He's saying that, no, law enforcement told me we needed these things. He has now walked that oh. back. But really, the damage has been done. Stephanie Carvin, thank you so much. Have a nice weekend. Thanks for having me on.